I believe somebody knows a little bit what she's singing about. Anybody ever got the victory through Jesus in this place today? Hallelujah. Well, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And as they've always said, if he did it before, he'll do it again. Turn around and tell your neighbor, he's still doing it. He's still doing it. Hallelujah. Now point at him and say, the Lord's your strength. I know he's mine. I just want to make sure you know that he's yours. I know he's mine. I just need to make sure you know he's yours. <laughs> Praise God. And God good. Come on, give him another hand clap and shout. So thankful to be in his house today. I appreciate the Lord. God is good. Good to us. Appreciate our music and our choir today. Let's give them a hand. I appreciate the dedication and and just, uh, well, they're, they're talented, ain't no doubt about it, but there's an anointing and thankful for just them being consecrated to the Lord and just leading us in worship like they do. I appreciate them, our music and our sound, media, all you guys, thank you for what you do. I, I love our AC guys, although you can't tell that they've been here today. <laughs> it's, it's running, but it's it's hot, I know. But I'm thankful today for all of you being in the house of the Lord and just excited for the Word of God that's about to come. I love the worship and praise. It's powerful and we need it in our life. But we live by every word. <clears throat> we need the Word of the Lord. And uh, we're just very honored and fortunate today to have Brother and Sister Coon with us. Yay. And yes, let's... Uh, a lot of you probably know their, their children, uh, Lane and Shelly uh, Coon, and uh, just great people. They've preached for us before, been here ministered before, and we love them so much. And just excited because not only am I just excited for this word, but I, I told him, I said, he's, he is absolutely one of my favorite authors ever. He's, his books to me just uh, speak to me, help me. They've encouraged me. A lot of you young ministers have, have his book, some of his books that I've given you because you just need them. It's good stuff. The Lord has blessed him to be able to, to help people, to disciple people. And, and so, man, I, when they said he was going to be in town and we might could get him, I said, send him. Send him. <laughs> we want to. So we're thankful. Let's give Brother Coon a hand as he comes this morning. Thank the Lord for him. A beggar sought those who were the assistants to Alexander the Great. He wanted an audience with Alexander, and Alexander had this attitude of accessibility that he would speak to and listen to anybody. And so the time came, and the beggar came before Alexander, and he really didn't act much like a beggar. He dressed like one, but he didn't act like one. It's kind of impertinent, actually. As he stood before Alexander the Great, he began to make his appeals. And uh, he said, I, I want a farm up for myself. I want a dowry for my daughter. I want an education for my son. Those who were Alexander the Great's closest attendants were surprised 
when the king granted him everything that he asked for. After the beggar had left, they inquired as to why Alexander had done this particular thing. And Alexander said, I get so tired of people coming in front of me just asking for a single piece of gold. This fellow came and he acted like he knew who I was. That I was a king. And I could give him whatever he wanted. I think the Bible says something like that. Open thy mouth wide. And I will fill it. Does anybody know who it is that you're appealing to today? Why don't we make our request? What do you want God to do in this house? On this Sunday? Come on now. Somebody help me here just a little bit. There's some miracles in the house. But I think we need to make our appeal known to him. Is it a farm you want? Is it a dowry? Is it an education for your son? Whatever you need today, our God is able. Hallelujah. Bless you. You can be seated. It is so good to be in Athens. And uh, I've been everywhere, man, but I've never been here. And uh, it is so good. It's good to be with Pastor Walden, his wife and family, and with you. This is, uh, this is the right kind of church and the right kind of atmosphere, the right kind of attitude to impact a city. And I would appeal to you, don't go looking for a new thing. Just keep getting better at the same thing. Hallelujah. Your prayer will become more effective. Your praise and worship will become more in tune. Hallelujah. Lane speaks so highly of you folks. And uh, he has enjoyed his occasions to be here. And I realize that there are guests here today, and my wife and I are guests too. And um, I've enjoyed this service. I've enjoyed the praise I've enjoyed the music. Uh, there, was, there, was, uh, there was good support from the music, but if there hadn't been any music, there would have still been praise. And that's as it should be. When you become dependent on anything or anybody else for your praise, your praise has become weak. Let us be as the woman with the alabaster box. She was waiting for nobody's approval. She was waiting for no person's amen. She left her house saying, I'm going to take my alabaster box and I'm going to break it. And I don't care who likes it or who doesn't like it. I'm going to go and see Jesus and I'm going to give him the best I got. Hallelujah. Stay on course. Stay on course. For those of you who are guests and you have enjoyed all as I have, and uh, now we come to preaching and it may well be that you listen to me and you say, well, you know, that was really good until they found that fellow loose to preach. And it was all downhill from there. I won't be back next week. 
So you just come on again. Pastor will be preaching. It'll be much better. Hallelujah. God's good. God's good. It's the first time my wife's been able to be with me in almost 18 months, I guess, of being out and about. Of course, none of us went anywhere for a long time, but um, I'm glad that she is here. I will reserve the reading of my text for a bit. And I do that pretty often, and the reason I do, for those of you who perhaps are considering ministry in your future, is because that there are certain texts that when I read them, there are people in the audience who say, I know everything about that that can be said. And they switch stations. So I'm going to just hang on to my text for a while. Isaiah is best known, perhaps, as the Messianic prophet. And he is so-called because he gives more insight regarding the coming Christ than any of the other Old Testament prophets. But the prophet's prophecies regarding the Messiah is not all of the sum and substance of Isaiah. He had a whole lot to say to the people among whom he lived. And the people he lived among were not particularly being obedient to the will of God. They were not particularly living according to the purpose and the way of God for their lives. They had become rebellious and they'd become idolatrous and they were sinful. And so when you read the book of Isaiah, his ministry includes both declarations regarding sin and then he includes in it, of course, calls to repentance for change of life because he sees that the nation of Judah to whom he is speaking, that they need a course direction, that there needs to be a different path for their life. But in spite of everything that Isaiah had to say, there was not a time when there was truly a significant repentance among the people of Judah. They continued as they had continued. And soon Judah would become captive to a foreign nation. Babylon would become the world power. And the very best of Judah's residents would be transported to the distant land of Babylon where that people who had been physicians and doctors and had been in position of counselors to their royalty would be nothing more than slaves in Babylon. Babylon left Judah in ruins. They took down the temple and the walls of Jerusalem were nothing more than, than broken ruins. And so Isaiah is talking about this anointed deliverer, the Messiah, who is in time going to come. But at the same time, he is looking to people who are actively disobedient to the will of God with their lives, and they're not interested in what he has to say about their need for a change in their life. Let me, let me just make an observation here. If what you're doing in life isn't working, why keep on the same course of action? It is doubtful that you can do it a thousand times and it ever get any better than what has already happened. 
Why don't you give obedience to the Lord Jesus Christ an opportunity in your life and see if the outcome might not be significantly different than the outcome that you've experienced to this point. And so Isaiah is preaching to them and he is declaring that their obstinance and their determination to be self-willed is, is going to result in their captivity and, and their destruction, but they simply will not hear him. But it's interesting that even in the midst of this, one, there's the grandness of Messianic prophecy, and then secondly, there are these uh, words that are declarations regarding sin and regarding their call to be right before God. But in the midst of it, there are times when God anoints Isaiah to move into what I'm going to call the in spite of mode. Nothing has changed about Judah's behavior. They have not repented. They have not relented of their disobedience. But in Isaiah 40 and 1, it begins one of those in spite of chapters where the prophet hears it. Comfort ye, comfort ye, my people, saith your God. And what he is saying to them is that I am this. I have been this toward you in your history. And I will be this at some point in your future. It is not based on your merit, but in spite of your lack of merit. I remain a God who can comfort you. I remain a God who can bring you out of the dilemma that you find themselves in. And that is the tone and the tenor of all of Isaiah chapter 40. Historians declare that this particular chapter became one of the leading words of encouragement. When Judah would find themselves in the land of Babylon a hundred years later. They were there in difficult straits, but every once in a while they'd flip over in their synagogue reading and they would read again a chapter that said, Comfort ye, comfort ye my people, saith your God. Hallelujah. They would be reminded, we're not in a good place. We have not behaved well. There seems to be a judgment of God that is upon us. It seems that there is no future for us, but that we would be slaves in Babylon. But here we drag it out of the scroll one more time, and we are reminded of an anointed word of God. Comfort ye, my people. Comfort ye, my people, saith your God. Hallelujah. It gives an emphatic perspective. People of Israel would end up in Babylon because of their rebellion. They were sinners. They'd missed the mark that the Lord had set for them. They were worshiping the gods of foreign lands. and They had created idols themselves of gold and silver and wood, while at the same time ignoring the God who created the gold and the silver and the wood. The creator of all things who had been so very good to the people of Judah. And so Isaiah 40 is not a declaration that ignores reality. And I want to say on this Sunday afternoon 
There are pulpits where that you hear voices that would have you ignore the reality of your current experience and bypass where you are and what you've been and what your yesterday has been like in order to immediately move into a relationship with God without there being any change in your life. But that simply is not the reality of Scripture. That book says we are called to repentance. We are called to a change of mind and a change of heart and a change of behavior. And we are to come before God saying, I'm sorry for my sin. I don't want to live the way I have lived in the past. I am ready for a change in my life. But at this particular juncture, where that Isaiah is speaking prophetically, Rather than speak of their difficulty, rather than talk of the ugliness of what they would experience down in Babylon, rather than talk about their failings, he would talk about the in spite of, in spite of all these realities. Let's look in a different direction. The great message for someone in this room on this Sunday is that the Lord Jesus Christ is an in spite of kind of God. You say, preacher, you don't know my story and you don't know my testimony. Perhaps you have been one who has said, I would be surprised if the roof didn't fall in if I went in a church of any kind. There are very few of us who would like to stand here and have read or shown on the screen the ugliest things that we have done in our lives. And God knows all about the ugly. He knows all about your failings. He knows about the misdemeanors. And he knows about the felonies that nobody else may know. But he is an in spite of kind of God. Hallelujah. You need to get that in your mind. Because I saw somebody walk in today and you had a hangdog attitude that said God can't be interested in me. They will have joy, but I cannot have joy. They can have peace, but I cannot have peace. They can have a relationship with Almighty God, but I'm too far gone and I'm too big a mess to have a relationship with God. He's an in spite of God. Yes, he is. He's an in spite of God. Yes, he is. He's an in spite of God. If we were to hear the stories of the people in this room who stood here, worshiped here, praised here. If we were to survey the audience who is the chiefest sinner among you, an argument would break out as to who had been the biggest and the baddest and the meanest and the toughest because you are sitting in an audience of sinners today. You are sitting among a people who are spontaneous in their praise because they are acquainted with an in spite of kind of God. They have known a God who did not give the end of their days on the basis of their yesterdays, but instead he looked beyond what had been and he pronounced the possibility of what could be. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Isaiah gave confidence to Judah 
In the eighth verse, he said, the grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God shall stand forever. But wait a minute, Isaiah, you've just said that we're going into captivity and that we're going to be in bondage. But the word of our God stands forever. Remember your ancestor Abraham who had a promise from God that there would be a land of Canaan that his descendants would take possession of. His word has not changed and his word shall stand forever. So even in the midst of the darkest hours of slavery, even in the midst of the deepest moments of bondage, every once in a while, pull out Isaiah chapter 40. And can we read it one more time that in spite of all of this, the word of our God stands forever. The word of our God stands forever. You see, as long as we're spending our time talking about what's going on in our world, and I think that I've decided I'm weary of the conversation about COVID-19. We've been there, we've done that, and it wasn't fun. Some of you have had the same experience, but I'm telling you, God, hallelujah, his word shall stand forever. I don't know how it came, and I don't know how it's going, but his word shall stand forever. His word shall stand forever. There's something more to talk about than all that's gone wrong in your family. His word shall stand forever. There's something more to talk about than what's happening in your college and university. His word shall stand forever. There's something more to talk about than what the Supreme Court has decreed at times over the last few years. His word shall stand forever. There's something more to talk about than so-and-so backslid. His word shall stand forever. There's something more to talk about than the economy. His word shall stand forever. His word. Why don't we gather at Sunday's dinner table and say, what have you heard from the word of God this week? What have you received from God this week? What have you received from that statement of truth? Hallelujah, I'm tired of gossip. I'm tired of people who are eaten up with the negative. His word, in spite of, his word shall stand forever. And so this, this chapter, this 40th chapter, when I, when I look at it in its sum, it describes Israel, and I suppose in many ways it includes us in this description. Descriptions that are rather negative. It talks about being weak as grass and sheep. Sheep are perhaps the most docile animals. They, they have absolutely no defense mechanism. They can't outrun anything. They can't outbite anything. 
they can't outclaw anything. They're just waiting on a predator to just come by and do them in. And the 40th chapter of Isaiah talks about us as sheep. It likens us to dust blown about by the wind. Nothing solid in the dust. In the 22nd verse, we're likened to grasshoppers, easily crushed underfoot, fragile, easily broken. And the next chapter even goes so far as to liken us to worms. And then Isaiah takes just a little bit, and he reminds Judah of their past as they face their impossibility. Verbal sharings of history were the way of the time. They would have heard the stories of the Passover and the Red Sea and Jordan River and walls of Jericho falling down. They'd have heard about manna, water from a smitten rock, Bitter water that became sweet enough to drink. And in the midst of it, Isaiah is almost a precursor to what your pastor said earlier. There is a reminder. What God has done, he will do. Hallelujah. You see, somebody here is forgetting that. You, you are looking at your situation as this is the impossibility that God cannot deal with. But what God has done, He will do. You think that your marriage is beyond healing? What God has done, He will do. You think you can't be delivered? But what God has done, He will do. You think there's no room for you to find salvation? But what God has done, He will do. You see, if you sit here and you say, I'm beyond help and beyond hope, then your vision of the future is excluding God's mercy. And it is excluding God's grace. But the truth of the matter is that His mercy was new yet again this morning. And that mercy that was new this morning, it endureth forever. But preacher, what about my sin? I know this, that where sin doth abound, grace doth much more abound. And that continues to be the case even now. Oh, I feel it now. Somebody's starting to plug in. There's a hope for you in Jesus. There's a possibility for you that you have not yet imagined in what God would do in your life if you just give him a chance. Hallelujah. Late in the chapter comes a different portrayal and it begins with the portrayal of God and it's all in spite of. Because all in spite of outcomes that you will ever experience in regard to sin. They will all begin with God. You want to change your outcome? Start it with God. 
It's the only thing that's really going to work. And so we asked some questions. The Lord said, to, to whom are you going to liken me, or to whom shall I be equal, saith the Holy One? Lift your eyes on high, and behold, who's created these things that brings out their hosts by number, and he calls them all by name, by the greatness of his might, for he's strong in power, and not one faileth. Why do you say, O Jacob, and Israel, that my way is hid from the Lord and my judgment is passed over from my God. Have you not known, have you not heard that the everlasting God, the Lord, the Creator, of the ends of the earth, He faints not and is not weary and there's no searching of His understanding. He gives power to the faint and to them have no might. He increaseth strength. Even the youths shall faint and be weary. And the young men shall utterly fall. But. But. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew. The word renew is a Hebrew word that means change. As in the changing of garments. You're going to put aside your negligible strength to be robed with the strength of the Lord. Ha <laughs> ha. He shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. And they shall walk and not faint. He sees it that in the emergencies of life, Israel will mount up like an eagle. And in the marathon of the distance run, they will run and not grow weary. And in the daily constant wearing of life, just simply walking the routine, they shall walk and not faint. And all of it is in spite of what is. See, he's speaking to the future. He's not speaking to the present. Could, could, I, could somebody please hear me? I, I'm not preaching about what you are. You say, I don't have any eagle in me. I don't have much run in my feet right now. I don't think I can even walk. But they that wait upon the Lord shall. Didn't say might. Didn't say there was a possibility. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. And they shall walk and not faint. Yet there are some who unnecessarily remain with the traits of being weak as grass as defenseless as sheep, as easily moved as dust, and quickly crushed as though a grasshopper. Weak, defenseless, unstable, and easily broken. For as this particular verse begins, it begins with a qualifier. But they that wait 
upon the Lord. It didn't say all of Israel would renew their strength. It didn't say that all of you in this room will renew your strength and mount up with wings as eagles and run and not go weary and walk and not faint. Instead, it said, they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. Declaration of distinction. They that wait upon the Lord, one Hebrew scholar said that that term to wait upon God spoke of someone who was involved in the labor of the sea who would take strands and fibers of rope and he would twist those strands together until they were inseparable. They that entangle themselves with the Lord. They that intertwine themselves with the Lord. Somebody, somebody hearing me? It's not just, oh God, I want that. But instead, it's they that intertwine. They that entangle themselves. They that get so twisted up with Jesus. They that get their lives so mixed up with Him that they are no longer separable. Those are the ones who shall renew their strength. They're the ones who shall mount up with wings. They're the ones who shall run and not grow weary. And they're the ones who shall walk and not faint. If you're not tangled up with the Lord Jesus, and I'm coming in for a landing, you remain grass and sheep and grasshopper and dust and worm. But if you choose if you choose to entangle yourself with him, then in spite of your current bondage, in spite of your past mistakes, in spite of your guilt, and in spite of your shame, in spite of the repercussions of your sin, the prophetic word that speaks into your future. I see you mounting up with wings like an eagle. I see you running life's marathon with unabashed enthusiasm. And I see you walking through the drudgery seasons of life and not feigning. But the qualifier, they that wait upon the Lord. Would you rather be a worm or an eagle? Would you rather be a grasshopper or one that's running on, occasionally stepping on a grasshopper? It really is up to you. God's already declared His in spite of. It's already there. It's already there. There's, remember, His Word will endure forever. It's, he stated it. He said it. 
it's there. So it's up to you. So on this Sunday, this guest who does not know really any of you would invite you to soon start entangling yourself with Him at this altar where that you would come and you would declare, God, I'm sorry for my sin. I'm tired of living the way I've lived. I don't want to live this way any longer. It hasn't worked. I appeal for your forgiveness and I desire your mercy. God, I really want to change. I really want my life to be so entwined with you that we are inseparable. Some who are backslidden, you already know what awaits you, what blessing of spiritual renewal. There are others who are not so familiar. and After you've repented, it would be a great thing to find your way to the baptistry and say, could somebody baptize me in the name of Jesus Christ for the washing away of my sins? I want to get wrapped up. I want to get tied up. I want to get tangled all up in Jesus. Hallelujah. I don't want to stay what I am. I want to, I want to become what He will let me. Grasshoppers are going to become eagles. person who has the self-image of a worm is going to become a steady walking man. Never have kept that job long, have you? Seemed that nobody could really count on you. The daily walk of life just seemed to overwhelm you and you didn't have what it took to just keep putting one foot ahead of the other in the treachery, trudging on of life. But here you are. Here you are. And if you'll wait on the Lord, hear this preacher, He will renew your strength and you will mount up with an eagle. You've never been an eagle, but you're going to mount up like an eagle. And you who have never ran long, you're going to run the marathon and keep on running. And you're going to walk through life keeping that good job that you finally get. Your family, some are going to say, I can't believe what he's become. It happened on that day when you came to that altar and you decided to stop being a single strand, but you decided that you want to tangle yourself up with Him. <laughs> Would you just lift your hands right now and let's just create a channel and a conduit for the Holy Spirit to work here.
Holy Ghost was talking to you, ma'am. You've started edging in toward him. It's time to tangle with him now. Oh, glory. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God, you see this audience. You know who we are. God, you touch as only you can touch and you draw as only you can draw. And you move, God, now in places that I could not even speak to. We stand together. And I'm just going to be like I'm home. Sister Walden begins to sing along with playing. And it's just, there's such an atmosphere of invitation here. And as we just join in worship and praise, if you're standing alongside someone who you just sense that they need something from the Lord today, would you just turn to them and join the Holy Ghost in inviting them to come along with you to this altar today. Would you do that? Would that, would that be okay? Hallelujah. To just open ourselves and become receptive to what He would like to do. There are people coming. There are others. Standing beside someone that needs to repent. Invite them to come with you. Standing beside someone who needs to be born again of the water and of the Spirit. Standing beside someone that needs a home Bible study. Sir, ma'am. Some others of you, today is your day. The Holy Spirit has spoken to you. God's talked to you. You know He's talked to you. Others of you that are still standing, please join us. The Holy Ghost ministers.
Thank you, Lord, for your spirit we feel right now. While the music softens just a bit, let's lift our hands one more time across this room and just now just pour out some worship for what he's done in here already. Well, let's just go ahead and thank him right now. Just, just go ahead and thank him for what's been done. For what he said, what he's moved in your heart, how he's blessed you, reminded you. Hallelujah. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. The way the Spirit of the Lord has moved with His Word this, this day has just been wonderful. The first message today, we've talked about obedience and talked about the Word of God. And it just went hand in hand with what Brother Coon was saying in this message. And I can tell you, there's a lot of things you'll, you may forget in your life, but, but this will be a day of impact, a day of remembrance. The day that you and the Lord meet up, you don't forget those things. The woman at the well was so, and she, she was one of those who felt like, I have nothing but this life I live. She had had five husbands, and the one she was with at that point wasn't even her husband, but it didn't disqualify her from the offer. But that's why the offer was given. And she was so excited as she left her water pot to run back to the city and say, is not this the Christ? You don't forget that meeting with Jesus. I'm thankful today. And I've seen a lot of people come in contact with the Lord and and God touched them, and they feel that in spite of. And I hope some of you are so tangled up with Jesus now that there ain't no way out. I hope you're so tangled up with him right now you can't get loose. We need the Lord now more than ever before. We've got to have him. Amen. God's good to us today. If you haven't been baptized in Jesus' name, if you don't understand exactly what that means, you find me after church and we'll talk about it and I'll explain it to you but the plan of salvation is this repentance of your sins a change of course baptism in his name for remission of sins and then God fills us with his spirit I'm so thankful for the plan of salvation today and so thankful for all those that have received it lately God bless every one of you Brother Coon thank you for the word today thank you for touching our hearts with that word reminding us That's the kind of message wants a pa- makes a pastor want to just say, everybody stand back up, let's preach for a little longer. <laughs> You're going to make people mad. You can't say that. <laughs> Somebody's ready to go eat. I know. But no, we seriously, we, we, we do. We just, oh, I'm so thankful that all the people we, you see, I, you would be surprised. I, I like what Brother Coon said about the ones that were worshiping or standing in the pulpit in different places. If you you could see who they were and what God did in spite of who they were. And uh, I, boy, I'm better than anybody I know, in spite of the mess I was, what God did in my life. I'm so thankful for it today. Brother Kuhn has, in the, in the foyer there, there's a table set up with some books that he has. You need to stop by and check those out and see. I promise you, you'll be blessed. Mm-hmm. 
And so and it'll be a blessing to them as well. But uh, be sure to stop by and check those books out and uh, pick you something up to take home. It'll, it'll be good for you. And tomorrow night at 7 o'clock, we'll be here for prayer. Hope you can be here with us for all of our visitors. God bless you. Don't run off too quick. I'm going to try to get around and greet you if I hadn't met you yet. And uh, we're thankful for you. Pray for those that are sick that couldn't be here. Pray for our students. And let's just see revival on UGA and in this city in Jesus' name. Amen. It's going to happen. going to happen in Jesus' name. God bless you. You're dismissed in the fear of the Lord. <laughs>